John chapter 16, starting in verse 1. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will be put, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when your, their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, and therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while, and you will see me no longer. Again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us, A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, and so he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying, A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she has delivered her baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I had every intention this morning of jumping right in and looking at the Lord's priestly prayer, the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. And... As I was preparing to do that, the words in the first verse of that chapter caught me when it said, 
when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, and I decided we better make sure we know those words before we know what prompted him in many ways to pray the high priestly prayer. In fact, in this text, in, in these previous words, which appear to go back all the way to chapter 14. We didn't have time to read 14, 15, and 16. But as you look at those words, Jesus talks about prayer three different times there in instructing us how to pray and the way we will pray as His kingdom is established. I hope this morning, as Pastor Jason read, the words in verse 23 caught you unless maybe you've done some study of this and you understand what he says there, what he says there could be perplexing. He says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. All by itself, it appears to me that that text could get you in lots of trouble when you go to praying. If that's all you have to guide you, if that's all you have to direct you, the words that Jesus says there. And so I think it's important for us, before we jump into the high priestly prayer of Jesus, to take some time to look at this text and two other texts in this portion, which I think is the things that Jesus spoke before the high priestly prayer. There are two other places in the scripture where we find this in John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, and John chapter 15, 7 through 8, and verse 16. I want to look at those three texts this morning and just make some observations before we look at Jesus' high priestly prayer. And I think these observations may be helpful to us. They were helpful to me as I came to see those three texts together. And as others helped me to see those three texts together. And not to see the text that we read in isolation from the other two. So these are the observations I'd like us to look at this morning. And I want to begin with John 14, verses 13 through 14. If that can be on the screen and you can look in your Bibles. Just some observations. Jesus begins here. He makes two statements about prayer. Let me read verse 13, verse 14. It says, Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Two things there, two observations that we want to put into our hat as we learn about prayer this morning. First of all, the admonition about Jesus being the mediator of that prayer. That's what it means, whatever you ask in my name. Jesus is the mediator, the mediator between us and God. That's why you say in Jesus' name when you pray, probably. The reason we do that is because we need a mediator between us and God. And we need to be reminded of that mediator. We not only need that mediator for salvation, but we need it for supplication, for prayer. We need to remember that He is our mediator. I hope you don't just bounce into God's presence without thinking about your mediator. It is the basis and the grounds by which you can 
presume to come. There is nothing more presumptuous than to pray without a recognition of that mediator. I think for Christians, as we walk with God, more and more we ought to realize that mediator, Christ. We ought to realize how and why we can even presume to come. And in one sense, I say this, I wouldn't say it in every setting, I would say it in this setting, but you need to be careful how you take it out of this setting, is that unbelievers, unbelievers don't have that mediator. They are presumptuous to pray, really. That is a big deal to have that mediator. It is a huge deal to have that mediator. That mediator who takes our sin and provides His righteousness so that we have a robe laid upon us of the righteousness of Christ that allows us to come and presume to be able to come into the presence of a holy God and not only presume to become, but be able to come. We, it is not just presumption. We can come. But we must realize, I think, why always. We must always realize why we can come before this holy God. It's crucial. It's the starting point of all understanding of prayer. You must understand the basis on which you can come, and it is Christ. It is Him and His finished work. Prayer is for believers. Now, unbelievers pray, but it is for believers. Prayer is something believers do based on the basis of that mediator for salvation and supplication. The second thing is it talks about the goal of prayer. It says, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. There's a word in there that the Scripture doesn't qualify directly. I think it does qualify. It just doesn't do it directly. It, it stands there. Do you see it? Right at the beginning of verse 13. Whatever. Whatever you ask in my name with the mediator... There seems to be no qualification directly, but there is a qualification. I think the qualification is, and this is the thing and the reason it didn't need another qualification is, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's the qualification. That's why the word is out there and seems if to hang there. It doesn't hang there. Whatever you ask in my name, understanding the mediation of the Son, but... The second part of that is that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Prayer is about the glory of God. It centers around the glory of God. All of the Christian life comes together and makes sense. No, there's mystery, yes. But it makes sense when you understand how it fits with the glory of God. 
You understand sin when you understand the text that says all have sinned and fallen what? Short of the glory of God. You understand prayer when you understand that you can ask whatever you want. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see? You see the blanketness of that in that qualification? But it all centers around the glory of God. That's why the glory of God is so important. It's why we talk about the glory of God a lot here. It's why this hangs in our sanctuary. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything to the glory of God. Even that text makes the qualification here, doesn't it? The whatever is not whatever in a blanket sense. The whatever is in the context of eating and drinking and doing to the glory of God. That the glory of God may seen seen in His Son. It is so important that you keep those qualifications, that you understand that, that whatever and its qualification. The statement cannot be absolute. It cannot be absolute except we deny the glory of God as the aim of all prayer. And we can't because it is. Just practically, God, please. We're praying, God, please. Help me humiliate my opponent. It says whatever. We know better, don't we? God, please help my teacher not to find out that I cheated on the math exam or my tax return. Doesn't work. Because in essence, all of that and more that we could add to it and you can think of is really, God, please make me more important than yourself. You see, prayer is about the glory of God. Ultimately. That's what it should be surrounded. What should surround it. The glory of God. One has commented this way. He says, therefore, any prayer that does not imply, hallowed be thy name, as the main desire has no claim on that verse these verses, this verse of whatever. You see, we're not moving too far from the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. May your name be revered. May it receive the glory. Do it. Prayer is about that. That's why Jesus began there in the Lord's Prayer. You cannot be full of the words of Christ and pray Humiliate my opponent. Now, your opponent may be your arch enemy. At that particular moment, your opponent may be your spouse. But it doesn't matter who the opponent is. That's not the kind of prayer that the whatever means. We know that. We instinctively know that. It's not about blinding the authorities, the teachers or the... IRS or whomever. It's not what it's about. Well, that's text number one this morning. But there's another another verse there that I want us to look at. I want you to turn to John chapter 15 and uh, look again here at a text. Talks about 
fruit bearing. Talks about another dimension of prayer. Let me read it. If you abide in my words, in me and in my words, and, and, and I abide in you, excuse me, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name it will be given to you. Again, a a strong statement. It says that you can ask whatever you want and I will do it, but there's qualification for it. In the first set of verses in John chapter 14, the qualification was the glory of God. Here he expands a bit of what what that may look like as we go along. But in verse um, verse 8 of that particular text, first verse 7, it says, "If If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. In the first verse, it talks about abiding. And that's not an absolute statement. That's not, a, that's not an all or nothing statement. As we pray abiding, as we abide in Him and His words abide in us to the degree to which the words of Christ abide in us, we begin to pray in proper ways. And, and so abiding has to do with the qualification of asking whatever. There are just certain things as, as the Word of Christ more abides in us. We just don't go there. We just don't ask those questions. We don't ask those prayers because it's just, it's just plain to us that that's, that's not about what Christ and His glory is about. You see, as we abide, we learn more of what the glory of God in the face of Christ is. But then it goes on in verse 8, and it expands that a little bit. It says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. Look Look at the expansion here. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. He added something here. He he added fruit bearing. And he added fruit bearing as a connection to the Father being glorified. So there has to be something about our prayers prayers. As we pray them in Jesus' name, as we pray them cognizant of the fact that it's about the glory of God, and we learn more about the glory of God as we abide in Christ, so we pray properly. But then there's something about fruit bearing. There's, there's something that God desires to answer in prayer that has to do with our fruit bearing because as we bear fruit it says by this the Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So, so beginning to pray. Part of asking whatever you ask in the fa- to the Father about fruit bearing again, that's the right road to be down. It's the right It's the right definition of what the whatever is in that text. Fruit bearing. 
Look, look a little farther in this text. Go down now to verse 16. And it says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, He may give it to you. You were chosen for a purpose. If you are a believer today, you were chosen for a purpose and the purpose of that is that you would bear fruit and we already learned that bearing fruit is glorifying to the Father. So when we go about doing what we were chosen to do in bearing fruit, again, we're in the vein of praying in proper ways, understanding what the whatever is about, understanding what asking whatever you ask in the Father's name or in the, in the Son's name. You see the progression here? And then, and then now we go to the text in John chapter 16. Look at that particular text this morning. And, uh, and we want to talk about it. I think these two texts give us then a clearer picture of what this text means. If all we had was this text without the other two, we wouldn't get the full picture. You have to have the three together. Because this text again says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. The qualification is what we've come from in those other two texts. The glory of the Father and the connection of the glory of the Father in the fruit-bearing of His people, those are proper ways, proper things to put into the context of the whatever. We don't clearly see that because it's connected to abiding and that's not an all-or-nothing thing. We, as we abide, the, the picture gets more and more clear. As the words of Christ abide in us, the picture gets more and more clear. But we never have perfect clarity. That's why we never can say with 100% accuracy that all of our prayers are the right whatever. We're going to miss it. We're going to miss that sometimes. We're going to miss praying according to God's will in that regard even, even in the regard to fruit bearing, partly because it's not an all or nothing. But we should make progress in that. There should be progress as we walk with our God, as we learn to pray. We begin to see the, the qualifications of that whatever, and we begin to seek to, to abide in Christ and let His words more fully abide in us. And so then we begin to pray the proper kinds of whatevers. We begin to ask the right kinds of things. With perfection, 100%? No. Don't let anybody tell you that that's the case. Because not anybody has fully arrived in all full wisdom in that. But we can make progress. I think that's why these texts are here, that we can make progress. And one of the things I think also that we see in this is you can. It's correct to say you can pray about anything. I think we want to always have that sense that you can talk to your God about anything. But there are some things that are, are more important to talk to Him about. 
And I think part of the abiding in Him and He abiding in us is we just kind of learn those things. We, we grow in those things. We grow in the understanding of those things. I, I remember, I don't know why it sticks in my mind, but as I was preparing for this, I, I thought of somebody asking the question one time. Do you, I mean, if, maybe it's because there were so few of these parking places in Aberdeen at one time. But you'd drive around the block and they'd say, well, is it proper to pray for a parking place? Well... Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I, it's okay. But but the point is, I think as we begin to see some of these things, we begin to see it be about the glory of God. Stuff like that. It, it, it isn't where we resonate. It, it isn't. And when we do, we don't. We 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 do it because it's just part of our life. We're just in communion with Him, all the time. But the progression of the Lord's prayer is this. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then it says, give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't not say it, but it doesn't put it first. And part of maturity, I think, in the Christian life is that we, we start to see that progression more clearly. We start to understand that. We start to be shaped more and more and more by the glory of God and the concern for the glory of God. And our heart begins to resonate about the glory of God. And so some of the other stuff just may be part of us, but it's certainly not the first place. I would say those kinds of prayers can be wrong if that's all you do. There's a place for that. It's just not the premier place when we talk about prayer. So, the question is, how do we apply this? How do we, how do we put this all together? How do we interpret as a totality of, of teaching on prayer? Well, I think the way it works is this, that uh, we begin to, to have a joy rise up in us in, in prayer. Look at what it says here in this text, in, in the one we just read, the final one. It says, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. You see, it adds on another thing. It, it says, Pray about the glory of the Father. The glory of the Father is connected to our fruit bearing. And, and as the glory of the Father is seen in our fruit bearing, then it adds this dimension that your joy may be full. What, what is that joy? What is the joy here? What, what is there about prayer that should produce this joy? And what produces the joy is, first of all, uh, our joy in seeing, I think, the glory of God and in that manifestation of that glory for others to see. As they begin to see the glory of God and we begin to see the glory of God, our joy and our gladness get strengthened in our hearts. Um, it is so important, I think, for us to, uh, to abide in such a way in Christ that, that we more and more begin to, to see God's glory and, and desire God's glory and desire that others see God's glory and that our joy is most found in that. It's, it's a bit of what I talked about being strengthened by grace. That we, we begin to not pray 
as selfishly and, and as self-centered. When you taste what it is to pray and to begin to see the glory of God manifested in, in the world around you and to others around you, and you begin to see their eyes open to the glory of God, that produces such joy in us that other things in prayer begin to fall away. They aren't, they aren't as important. One of the things I think you can tell about a, a person when you're around them is, and, and how they are progressing in their, in their spiritual lives is what they pray about, what they pray about first, what, what is the center of their prayers. What is it about? Is it about God and His glory or is it about them and their world? The, the more we progress spiritually, we shift from one to the other. We shift to see the glory of God. So, with all of this, I would say to you this morning, this is what I would admonish you to do. As you begin to look at the high priestly prayer of Jesus here, as you begin to look at this text, what you will find is that Jesus prayed the same way we just talked about. His greatest joy was in glorifying the Father. He will talk about that glory. And he will express it and we'll look at it in John chapter 17. But But what I say to you this morning is, do this. Do this by God's grace in your life. Not as a legalistic, rigid thing, but, but begin to set aside time to pray. If you don't have a time to pray, set aside a time to pray. And let that prayer be guided by Scripture. Let, let your prayers be directed by Scripture. Sometimes you think, I don't, even, I don't know what to pray for. Begin to pray Scripture. Begin to, to, to pray, but don't just pray, but, but, but Scripture is part of that prayer. Scripture and prayer. Um, and, and let the, the Scripture begin to direct your prayers. As you begin to abide in Christ, as you begin to be in the Scripture, begin to pray the Scriptures. Begin to pray the things you're reading. Begin to pray those scriptures in the context of the glory of God and the centrality of the glory of God. Let God take you there in that. And let the whatevers, let the whatevers be formed by scripture, by abiding in Christ. God help us to be that kind of people. That's that's what Jesus was like. That's what he will show us here in this text, in in the high priestly prayer. May it be true of us. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we pray you'll help us. We pray, Father, that that we will be a people who who don't take texts like whatever and and run where we ought not to run with them. But Lord, help us to run in those texts to to where we ought to run. To let the, the words of Christ abide in us so that that they become the the, uh, the thing that guides our whatevers. Help us as a people, Lord. Help us as a people to be committed even in our prayers, even in our prayer time, to be God-centered about it. Lord, we need your help. We pray for your help. We pray for your grace. And we even, as we sing, Lord, cry out to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.